Welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, where we love to encourage you to build intimacy with Christ. We'll bring you insights and teachings to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, ultimately becoming the strong, godly woman you were created to be. Here's Ashley Pope Todorova. Good evening, ladies. If you're joining us on our podcast or YouTube, we're so glad you're here. My name is Ashley Pope Todorova. I'm the founder of Ladies Who Love Christ Ministries. This week, we're in session four of our Colossians Bible study. Focal passages is Colossians chapter three, verses one through 17. So grab your Bibles and let's dig in. So as we're talking about practical holiness, the ladies who've been on with me for a moment, you already heard that. Um, It's surprising when Paul then talked about putting sin to death in our lives right here and right now. Didn't Paul say repeatedly that this had already been done? At the moment of salvation, the old self was crucified with Christ and we were raised to a new life? Yes, but this positional reality must be worked out in the believer's practical living. That is why I say as we age, right, as we're digging into God's word and as we age throughout our lives, meaning this is not something that you just come into a relationship with Jesus and it's done. You come into a relationship with Jesus and ladies, it has just begun. The work has just started. We're growing in sanctification. We're growing in holiness. We're growing in Christ likeness. But this positional reality must be worked out through our practical living. Tonight, we're gonna look at what that looks like. We're going to look at applicable ways that we that we go to God's word, we, we meditate upon God's word, and then we apply God's word to our lives to put off the old man, the old self, the old stuff, and to put on Christ-likeness. And we're gonna dig deeper into that tonight. There can be no holiness or, more, or maturity in a life Please listen closely because this is a powerful, powerful truth here. There can be no holiness, no maturity in a life where sin runs unchecked. Ladies, I'm not just talking about, please listen close. I'm not just talking about the sins that maybe we're we're driving somewhere and we lose our temper in traffic and, and we Um, you know, blow up or whatever it is. But ladies, I'm talking about the sins and the things that we struggle with that maybe the person next to you cannot see or the person next to you cannot hear. But you know, in that private place, in that private moment in your life, you know what those things are. You know what those sins are. You know what those things are that you struggle with. We must not allow sin. As Paul was talking to the Colossians and he was addressing all of this false doctrine, what they are to do. We in our lives right here are applicable in 2023. We must not allow sin to run unchecked in our lives because we cannot grow in Christ-likeness. We cannot grow in maturity. We cannot grow in sanctification when we're stifling it by continuing to live in sin. I always say it's like having one foot in the word and one foot in the world. The two don't reconcile. We have to turn. We have to do an about face. So that is in this 
this chapter and in this particular paragraph, that is what John MacArthur is talking about. We've died to sin's penalty, but sin's power can still be strong. We've died to sin's penalty. Praise Jesus for that precious gift on that old rugged cross. We sang that hymn yesterday and it quite literally brought me to tears. I am so thankful for that gift. We have died to sin's penalty, but sin's power in our lives can still be very strong. It's an area that we have to address. I don't know what that is for you, but that is, that is something for you to bring to our Father, to our Holy, Holy Father in prayer, okay? Paul listed some of the most common and troubling sins that believers face. And this is why we must continually, this is not a one and done, please understand, not a one and done, continually, we must continually, there's a lot said in that word, continually, we must continually put sin to death by yielding to the Holy Spirit, by yielding to the Holy Spirit. I'm almost done with this, and then I have a lot of notes that I've added tonight. Christians must dress themselves spiritually in accordance with their new identity. When, when, when we accept Christ as Lord over our life, when we accept the gift of what he did for us on that cross at Calvary, when we accept the fact that we are absolutely lost and dead and wretched in our sin and in our trespasses, when we accept that and we accept that precious gift of Christ, that is where we walk in our new identity. And that is a continual, continual thing. Continual. And I'm talking to ladies here, so I'm going to make sure I, I just add this little caveat for you. We can tend to be perfectionists. As women, we can tend to want everything perfect and to want everything done immediately and quickly in the right way and systems and you name it. I know that. But this is a continual effort on our parts to not just accept the precious gift of Christ, but to feel the weight of this precious gift of Christ so that continually we lay down sin in our life. That continually in the moment that we think a thought that does not align with God's word and what God says to be truth, that in that moment we lay it down, we take it off, we put it off, we turn away and we turn back. We run back. We don't just turn back. We run back. Christians have to dress themselves spiritually in accordance with their new identity. Negatively, they have to put off that old garment. That old garment in this case is the simple lifestyles. It could be anger and wrath and malice, like Paul so specifically called out in this chapter, Colossians chapter three. It could be that. It could be other things. It could be other things that people cannot see that you're wrestling with, that you're struggling with. Okay, so we have to put those things off positively. We have to put on that, that lifestyle of the new man. As I was preparing tonight, we're going to read keys for the text, and I am going to move fast tonight. Ladies, on an average Bible study night, I will finish you on time by 745. I have about five pages of notes. Tonight, I have eight. So if you feel like I'm going too fast, you find us on the podcast, Ladies Who Love Christ, um, any podcast platform, find us on YouTube. Go back and watch it again, but I'm going to cover all of this, okay? So we have to put on the new self. We have to put on our new lifestyle. As I was thinking about this and preparing for tonight, I thought about my own journey. To I'm just going to use this as a very applicable, make it make sense kind of example for you gals. 
when I started my own journey to, to, to wanting to get healthy, okay, I had a long way to go. I had struggled with many things in my life, many, many, many things, too much to go into tonight. But as a result, I started to really, really neglect my physical health. And I had to, I had to lose a lot of weight. I was over 200 pounds. I was not feeling good. I was not healthy. I didn't know how to lift a weight. I didn't know how to eat right. I didn't know how to do any of it. And as I thought about putting off the old and putting on the new, I thought about everything that I had to go through. Okay. Fast forward 18 years, I've been doing it with my husband for 18 years. That's all we do, right? I live the lifestyle and I teach other people to do it. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that that did not come overnight. That was a continual effort. There was a continual discipline there. There was a continual discipline. I'm going somewhere with this. There was a continual decision to say, I'm going to lay down what's not healthy for me. I'm going to lay down what's not good for me. I'm going to put it off. I'm going to put it away. And I'm going to put on what is good for me. What is nourishing for me? What is healthy for me? Well, ladies, in our spiritual health, in our spiritual walk, in our relationship with Christ, we have to take that same effort, that same discipline. And the more you do it, the more you do it. I always tell ladies that are working out or trying to get healthy with Alex, um, the more you do it, I promise you the easier it gets, right? It is the same thing when it comes to our spiritual walk. So I think we've drilled that point home. Page 62, if you're working from the book, we're under keys to the text. We're going to talk about what it means to set your mind. Okay. When Paul says set your mind, this can also be translated to think or to have an inner, this inner disposition. As a compass points north, the believer's entire disposition should point itself towards the things of heaven. Heavenly thoughts can only come. Please listen. This is so good. Heavenly thoughts can only come by heavenly realities in scripture. You cannot have heavenly thoughts by not going to God's word. You, you can't maintain a heavenly focus, a heavenly perspective apart from God's word. It has to be your daily nourishment as I had to take in new nourishment for my new physical um, healthy goals. We have to take in new nourishment, things that maybe are different from the nourishment uh, or, or lack of nourishment, you're giving yourself right now. That, that means God's word daily. Maybe that's God's word over that TV show. Maybe that's God's word over that episode. Maybe that's God's word over that true crime podcast that everybody, everybody like, no, like, sorry if you like it, but just saying, whatever it is in your life, maybe that means you're going to have to turn that away. You're going to have to put that off and you're going to have to go to God's word because there's enough here to chew on for your entire life. And it is still not enough. We have to set our minds. We cannot have a heavenly perspective if we're not setting our hearts and our minds and, and intently focusing on, on heavenly realities from God's word and from scripture. Old man, new man. The old man, ladies, and I'm going to breeze through this. I'm not going to read the whole paragraph, but the old man is a believer's unregenerate self. It is us before we came into this relationship with Jesus Christ. It is us before we accepted, right, Christ as Lord over our life. When you accept Jesus, that means you lay down self. When you accept Christ, that means his way, not your way, right? His way, not your way. When you accept Jesus, that means that idolatry in your life dies, that you no longer look to people, listen, 
You no longer look to people. You no longer look to things. You no longer look to fill in the blank to bring you satisfaction. We look to Christ and Christ alone. We're going to talk about later. It's not in the book, but we're going to talk about just briefly. I taught like a whole section on this, but we're going to do real briefly tonight. What's a Christian worldview? Why is that important? What are things that we can do? Functioning in this culture right now, what are things we can do to put off the old man and to put on the new? Okay, so the Greek word for old does not refer to something old in years, but something that's worn out and useless. What Paul was saying to the Colossians is you've got to put what's you've got to put away, put off what's worn out and useless in your life. And you have to put on that new that new regenerate self. Okay, the regenerate self, which replaces the old ladies, there's an exchange made there. It doesn't stop at accepting Christ. It just starts there. Put off the old, put on the new. That is what we're going to dive into tonight. We're going to unpack it tonight. And I am excited about it. So what I want you to do is I want you to turn in the word of God to Romans chapter six. We're going to read verses three and four. And if you have the paper word of God, I'm going to say it every week, every week, every week. I want you to open the word of God. And if you have the paper Bible, I want you to open that because it does not spit back all of the things. Romans chapter six, verses three and four. We're going to go through question number one. We're working from page 65 on the book. Again, if you don't have the book, do not stress it because I always get lots of comments about not having the book and worried about not having the book. You have the only book that matters, the word of God. Romans chapter six, verses three and four. The beginning of chapter three forms a kind of bridge between when Paul, uh, what Paul had discussed in the first two chapters and what he discusses now. The question is, what do verses one through four teach us about Christ? And what do verses one through four teach us about Jesus? Now, there's something that's really, 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 um, I'm sorry, teach us about believers. There's something that's really important here, ladies, okay? When you study God's word, oh my goodness, if you don't hear anything else I teach you tonight, please listen to this. When you study God's word, we do not go before a holy and righteous God and before the word that he gave us the gospel, the good news, asking ourselves, what does this teach me about me in a world that is me, 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 all about me, right? We go to say, what does this teach me about Jesus? What does this passage teach me about Jesus? What does this chapter teach me about Jesus? Because when I know about Jesus, then I can learn what I need to do in my life. I learn the new regenerate self, the new way, the new skin, the new clothing, the new uh, whatever it is you want to call it, whatever it is that that um, makes sense to you, right? Not what, what do I learn about me, 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 me? What do I learn about Christ? What do I learn about the Messiah, the anointed one, because when you learn that, when you ask that question, that question, write it down, write it down. What does this verse, what does this passage teach me about Jesus? When that is your focus, when that question is your focus, ladies, it permeates 
absolutely every other area of your life. When you ask, what does this teach me about me, 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 me? When you come about it from that angle, that's where you fall prey to number one, a lot of false doctrine. Number two, you like, you start to cherry pick, 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 pick cherries. You start to cherry pick the word of God. I'm feeling sad today. Let me go and see what this tells me about me. No, we approach the scriptures with reverence. Okay. That's a respect. And that means that we ask first and foremost, when we study God's word, what does this teach me about Jesus? Because it will change your life. But it takes that shift, that perspective off of you, and it puts it where it belongs, upon Christ. Our eyes are fixed upon Christ. Okay, so I've, I've made that point clear. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ were also baptized into his death? Verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so, so too may we walk in newness of life. So too may we walk in newness of life, new skin, new clothing, new person. Ladies, write this down. Because of our union with Christ, believers spiritually enter his death and resurrection at the moment of conversion. I'm going to slow down and I'm going to say it again because I want you to write this down. Because of our union with Christ, believers spiritually enter his death and resurrection at the moment of conversion. At the moment. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to Galatians. Chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Here's what this passage says. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Okay? Verse 21, I want to read this. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So listen to that. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, right? Faith is as small as a mustard seed. He knows how, how frail and, and um, shaky our faith can, can sometimes be, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me, right? So what do we do knowing this truth? What does this teach us about Jesus? First example here, what does this teach us about Jesus? I do not set aside the grace, the favor of God. For if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died for nothing. We are now alive in him so that we understand, ladies, write it down, so that we understand. This is the heavenly perspective I talked about when I first read the context section when we kicked it off, so that we understand spiritual truths, write it down, so that we understand spiritual truths, realities, blessings, and the will of God. So many people, so many, many, many people try to understand the will of God 
apart from God's word. You will never understand the will of God for your life. You will never understand the will of God. You will never understand that apart from the Holy Scriptures. If you want to know God's will for your life, you need to, you must know God's word. If you want to put off the old and put on the new, if you want to run from the old, the old unregenerate self and put on the new, if you want to grow in Christ likeness and holiness and sanctification, if you want to do those things, you must do it immersed in, bathed in, diving in deep every day. Not a, I'm not putting a time on it, but not a, not a scheduled, oh my gosh, I got to do it to check a box. But because apart from it, you literally cannot function in any aspect of your life. You can't function in your career. You can't function as a wife. You can't function as a mother. You can't function as fill in the blank, whatever that is. You cannot effectively do it if you're not bathing in and immersing in and saturating yourself in God's word. He knew we would need it every single second of every single day, right? This is a call for us ladies to get serious. And I say it every single week, get serious about our walk with Jesus, to get serious about our study of God's word and not sit down and watch all the cool hip videos, podcasts, fill in the blank, let everybody implant into your brain, whatever it is they want to tell you. And you take it as truth. No, we run to God's word, asking ourselves, what does this teach me about Jesus? Then and only then, then and only then, will you be able to, by the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, put on those new things. Then and only then will you be able to show the compassion that we're called to show in scripture, the kindness that we're called to show in scripture, the forgiveness that we're called to show in scripture, the love that we're called to show in scripture. Only then, because we cannot do it apart from Jesus Christ. This is not something that is in our flesh to do. When we are called to forgive as Christ forgave us all the way down to the very men, the very people that hung him to the cross. And he prayed, Father, forgive them for they, not, they don't know what they do. Forgive them. That display, that amazing display of forgiveness, that is not in us to do apart from Jesus Christ, you've got to understand that. You can't work your way to that. You can't will your way to that. That is only through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through your life as God takes his word and absolutely makes you able to live it out. I'm telling you that from pure and utter having lived through it. It is so important that you get this. So, 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 so important. Turn to Ephesians chapter one, verse three. <sighs> Ephesians chapter one, verse three. And please give me a second. I need to take a sip. I always have that ready these days. Okay, so here we go. We are now alive in him so that we understand spiritual truths, realities, blessings, and the will of God. These are things that when we are walking in our old unregenerate self, we didn't understand. These are things that we, when we are walking in our old clothing, let's keep it really simple, when we're walking in our old tattered, worn clothing, we didn't understand these spiritual truths and realities. Mind you, let me just add this, ladies. We're living in a world right now, ripe, full and, and ripe with people, or spoiled, I should say, 
with people that don't understand these spiritual truths and realities. They don't understand that they need that everything they're looking for, this crazy, crazy world that's literally becoming more crazy overnight. These people don't understand that it is the Messiah, the anointed one they need. It is all the more important that we start to walk in this newness of life, that we start to walk in this new clothing, because we've got to go out in that world and effectively disciple and share the gospel, share the hope we have. We're going to talk about that later tonight. Later tonight, we're going to talk about ways to do that. Ephesians 1, chapter 3, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavens in Christ. He's blessed us with every single spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. I'll tell you, when I came to know the Lord, when I really came to know Jesus, when I really started to develop this insatiable, literally insatiable hunger for his word, I started to realize, oh my gosh, how did I ever live a millisecond in my old unregenerate self and skin and flesh? I praise him for, for what he did. I praise him for these truths and, and the ability to, to walk in this newness, but ladies, we have to, as, as John MacArthur said so well in the beginning, we've been, we've been forgiven that, that penalty of sin, but it does not mean that we're not going to have to fight to put off that, our old self daily and grow in sanctification. The third point, and I got to really book it. Christ, as we spoke about last week, he is seated at the right hand. He's seated in that position of honor and majesty and authority. And, and I want to just like take it a step further and just explain to you that when, when uh, in the Old Testament, when teachers used to teach, when they were about to say something that was super valuable, super important, like you better tune in and listen. That's why I always say, listen, 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 listen. They were seated, right? They sat. So that there's some significance to that. He is seated at the right hand of God. It is a position of honor and authority. Ladies, it's the place of utter prominence, utter prominence, okay? I want you to turn to Psalm. I'm gonna show you something here. It's not in the book and I can do that because I'm leading it. Psalm 110, verse one. Psalm 110, verse one. This is the declaration of the Lord to my Lord. Sit at my right hand, listen, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Just write down Psalm 110. It's a messianic Psalm. Write down Psalm 110.1 in your notes. And then I want you to flip. So we're going Old Testament to New. I want you to flip to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 through 45. And I want you to listen to this, the question about Christ. While the Pharisees were together, Jesus questioned them. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, David's. He asked them, how is it then that David was inspired by the spirit how is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord? Verse 44, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. 
Verse 45, if David calls him Lord, how then can he be his son? No one was able to answer him at all. And from that day, no one questioned him anymore. So you see here this messianic, it was there, there's there's passages all over the Old Testament foretelling the coming of Christ. When you have somebody say to you that you can discount or detach or take away, or ah, what do you need the Old Testament for? It's the craziest, most absurd thing anybody could ever, ever say. Psalm 1101 was literally pointing to Jesus Christ. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Right here in Matthew, Matthew 22. Verse 44, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Okay. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We, ladies, we, write it down. I'm going somewhere with all of this. We are to set our minds. We are to set our minds or think heavenly thoughts heavenly, to think heavenly. We are to not, not think like our old unregenerate self would think, but we are to think with a heavenly perspective. We are to think through the word of God. We are to set our minds. When it says set, you have to set your minds. There's a due diligence there. There's a discipline there. There's, that's an action statement. That's an action statement set we are to set our minds heavenly thoughts can only come by understanding heavenly realities from scripture heavenly thoughts can only come can only come from understanding the heavenly realities from scripture it's why it's so important because you can ask a lot of people that sit in church on a sunday about the gospel and many of them cannot tell you the gospel we're living in a world where there's celebrity Christianity, where you literally have celebrity pastors and celebrity teachers. And I'm talking celebrity where people are idolizing these people and they're not, not literally focusing and shifting and, and gazing their eyes upon Christ. You're only going to understand that. You're not going to understand that from the hip and the cool and the celebrity. You're not going to understand that from those people. You're only going to understand heavenly realities from scripture. Write this down. I cannot change, write it down. I cannot change my thought life or behaviors apart from scripture. I cannot change my thought life or behaviors apart from scripture. What I'm trying to tell you gals is for us to have th this, this walk in this newness of life, for us to understand what it is God wants us to do. We talked last week, scripture is not man-breathed, it is God-breathed. So how much, how much more importance should we put on God's word in dictating what we are to do, what we are to say, what we are to think, how we are to act? Hebrews 4, 12, it's one of my favorite. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is alive and active. It has the, the, the power, the power to change your life. God working through his word. We cannot change our thought life and behaviors apart from scripture. We can't change our thought life and our, our behaviors from watching an occasional reel. 
from watching an occasional snippet of the coolest pastor in town. That's not going to do it. It is a diligence to get in and set your mind on God's word every day. Okay. I want you to turn to Matthew 22, verse 37. I'm going to get there too. Matthew 22, verse 37. And it says, he said to him, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, not a portion of, with all of your soul, and with what? With all of your mind, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. In Mark, write it down, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Mark in his gospel adds strength with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels. That means that they have similarities in them. The gospel of John is a spiritual gospel. It's where you read the words of Jesus. So what he's saying here is there's an action statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love him with what you do. Love him with what you say. Love him with how you think. Love him with how you prioritize your day, your life, your schedule. Love him with how you raise your babies. Love him in every single aspect, every thread, every thread of your life. Love him. Love him. Love him. when Matthew and Mark were saying love with all your heart, love with all your soul, love with all your strength and mind, when they were saying these things, they were saying love in completeness, love the Lord your God in completeness with the entirety of you. That's what this was saying, with every single thing, the entirety of us. This is the type of love that is commanded. To love the Lord our God with the entirety of us, with a completeness. Why am I being so repetitive about these things? These are not the things, oh, let me just go up here for a second. These are not the things that people like to teach about because they're not the things that the people want. They're not the cool things that tickle the ears, right? That is not what people want to hear. We are not to be lovers of self. We are not to be full of greed and envy and sexual impurity. We are not to be these old, unregenerate, worn out, dirty, wearing these dirty clothing people. We are to walk in this newness, this newness of life, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, everything, all the glory be to you, all the honor be to you, everything you do in my life, everything you do through my career, everything you do in my home, everything you do in my marriage, everything, 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 it is all to the glory and honor of God. The world's against that because the world likes me, 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 me. To love like this means to love God with all of us. And if we're loving God with all of us, just like, let's bring it down to some real quick applicability. We're dating when we are dating our spouses. And you may be in that dating place. But we weren't like, oh, hey, yeah, I'll give you 
like an hour in three weeks. Yeah, I have about an hour. I'm going to give you one day a week and yeah, we're good. No, you wanted to get to know them. You wanted to know everything about them. You wanted to know. <laughs> I've been married for 16 years in March. So there's like, I know everything about my husband, but we wanted to know everything. We wanted to spend time with them. We wanted to talk to them. We wanted to, we'd stay up on the phone for like back in the day before cell phones. I'm telling my age, we'd be like on the phone all night, right? Talking. The fact of the matter is, is that to love God with all of us means that we love him with all of us. We love his word. We love to make a study of his word because when we study God's word to learn about Jesus, not to learn about us, when we study God's word to learn about Jesus, then and only then through the power of the Holy Spirit, he starts to change us. He starts to, you start to do things and you're like, holy cow, I could have never done that apart from Christ. I could have never forgiven that person apart from Christ. I could have never walked in this, this newness of life apart from Christ. Now, with all that being said, I want you to turn back to Colossians chapter three, which is our focal passage tonight. Colossians chapter three, verses one through 17. Colossians chapter three, verses one through 17. And it's calling us in questions two and three, which we're gonna lump together for simplicity purposes. It's calling us to write out and asking us to write out the commands that are in verses five through 11, okay? Now here's what I love about, about this. I really like when it calls us to go to a passage, the reason why it says, Read verses five through 11 and what does it tell you? Because we're so conditioned to read just to check a box. And if you, if you ask, there are times if I'm not really reading intently to study, you can ask me what I read and I can't even tell you, right? So when you slow down and when you take God's word passage by passage and verse by verse, I should say, and you really ask yourself, what is that teaching me about Jesus? Therefore, how does that apply to my life? Secondary, you start to really, really, really learn. It's very, very clear here in verses, um, what verses, five through 11? Give me one second. Yes, verses five through 11. Let's go to Colossians 3, verses five through 11. Therefore, put to death that which belongs to your earthly nature. That's very strong usage of, of words there to literally put to death what belongs to our earthly nature. Ladies, when we have to put things that belong to our earthly nature to death, that's going to sometimes feel, you're going to feel it because you are completely and utterly fighting your flesh. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Greed meaning to want more. It quite literally means to want more. To want more of what is not yours. To want more of what does not belong to you at times. To want more. Greed is idolatry. And, and see, God in his word tells us, you are to have no other God but me. We are to have, we are not to idolize people, things, money, none of it, none of it. When we look to our careers and accolades as our identity, that's idolatry. When we look to our bank accounts and associate that with our identity, that 
right there, that's idolatry. When we look at and, and want to covet somebody else's spouse, when we have lustful thoughts, he goes down to discerning the thoughts of our mind. When we do those things, that is idolatry. That is putting something or someone, something or someone where Christ himself belongs in our life and in our hearts. And it's serious business. It's so serious. Because of these, in verse 6, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. So I want to break this down quickly with you. Quickly. When this passage says, put to death, what does that mean, put to death? It refers to a conscious effort to put to death the remaining sin in our flesh. If you think for a millisecond that you can do this apart from studying God's word, being in his word, surrounding yourself with other believers who want to push you and, and help you to grow in Christ-likeness. If you think you can do these things by functioning in your old ways, your old self, your old circles with the old people that maybe are not calling on the name of Christ, you are sorely mistaken. You're sorely mistaken. When he talks about sexual impurity, right? That is fornication. That is any form of sexual sin, lust, evil desire, and greed. That's any form of sexual sin. All of these things are idolatry. Ladies, we should not ever toy with sin or seek to maintain it. Walking in the newness of life, walking in, in the new self, putting on the new clothing, putting on that newness is not trying to just contain and box the sin in our lives. It's quite literally putting it off. Turn to Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Let's look and see what the word of God says. Because I never want you to listen to what I say. I want you to listen to what the word of God says. Verse 2, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 20. It's very clear. If you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Number 21, verse 21. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. What he was talking about in this passage is that, yes, it has all been done in Christ. It's done and it's finished. But we're no longer to live like the world. We're no longer to, to stay with that old clothing or to walk or to walk as Christ calls us to walk. Scripture tells us that believers have already died with Christ. Therefore, this is putting into practice what is a spiritual reality. This is a spiritual reality. And we're going to know that. We're going to know spiritual heavenly realities by knowing God's word. I said this, but I'm going to say it again because I want to make sure I didn't say it too fast. Greed in this passage, greed in verses 5 through 11, greed in this passage is singled out as idolatry, meaning to have more especially things that are forbidden. Greed. These are areas in your life, ladies. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're walking through, but these are areas in your life to be in prayer over, 
Because so many of the sins that we wrestle with and we struggle with are not sins that people can see us doing. Oftentimes, there are things that we're thinking with our minds or, or things that we're struggling with as a, um, that we've given a, a place in our life that only belongs to Christ. When people engage in greed or sexual sin, what this is saying, what Paul's saying to them, when we engage in greed or sexual sin, we're following our own desires. Write that down. When I engage in greed, sexual sin, lust, envy, evil desire, when I engage in these things, I'm following my desires rather than God's. You see, as, as you start to develop intimacy with Jesus, and that is, that is what this ministry is here for. We are literally here, first and foremost, to teach and equip women to build intimacy with Jesus Christ above all else and over all else. And when you do this, when you do this, you want to, you want to naturally follow God's desires for your life. That starts to come as a byproduct of walking in this newness. Now we're going to talk about put away and put off. And the question it asks, what are some of the differences? Basically, we are to put off, write it down, simple lifestyles. I am to put off, I'm going to give it to you exactly how I want you to write it. I am to put off simple lifestyle. Remember how I talked about my healthy lifestyle and paralleled it? with my unhealthy lifestyle, well, now we're talking about our spiritual health. We are to put off our simple lifestyles and we're to put off our simple and put away our simple attitudes. You see, if you skip down a few verses, it says, but now, verse eight, I'm reading from verse eight of Colossians three, but now put away all of the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. So we are to put off those sinful lifestyles, greed, sexual impurity, lust, and we are to put away those attitudes, those simple attitudes. There's a due diligence there. Now, I'm going to help you break it down because I am officially, and I have a shirt that proves it, says word nerd. I'm a word nerd. I love the dictionary. I loved reading the dictionary when I was a kid. I absolutely loved reading words. I had a dictionary and that was fun to me to read words. And it's still fun to me. And thesauruses and Greek and Hebrew and you name it. I'm not kidding. Apotithemi. Apotithemi. In the Strong's Greek dictionary, it's number 659 if you really want to go deep. It means to put off, to cast aside, to lay aside, that's literally what it means to put off, to cast aside, like you cast in that, we cast those sins aside, we lay aside, mostly in regard and with exhortations to put off or cast away and aside simple attitudes and lifestyles. So it's literally telling us you were to put it away. That's not, that's not a part of your new nature. You can't come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and think you're going to keep doing the same old things. Keep acting the same old way. Keep talking the same old way. Keep in, engaging in the same things. And ladies, please understand and please listen to me because I don't want you to misunderstand this. 
it was very clear in the beginning of this chapter. We've been, we have been by the grace, favor of God, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. But this, this is a daily effort to do these things and to live a sanctified, holy life. You know, when it really started to sink, I'm going to just give you some really quick applicability in my life. When this stuff really started to sink down deep in my heart, it changed everything. I mean, everything. It changed what forms of entertainment I watched and listened to. It changed the music I listened to when I work out in the gym. My whole garage is a gym. It changed the way that I put music in. It changed, I have scripture on the board. So in between sets, I can meditate on the word of God, right? My whole home is bathed in scripture. I don't want people to walk in these doors and not see the gospel. I, I, you're going to read scripture all the way down to the bathroom. I want it everywhere. It changed everything. It changed the things that I stood in agreement with. It changed the places I went. It changed the thoughts that I, I thought. And all of a sudden it was like, when I did fail and I did mess up and we will fail and we will mess up. This is where a lot of people make mistakes. They fall into legalism. We will fail and we will mess up, but it is an opportunity. If you're studying God's word, if you're focused on heavenly truths and realities, it's an opportunity to realize, wait a second, I messed up and you catch it so much faster. And then what do you do? You turn in repentance to a holy and a righteous God. And you say, God, I messed up. I need your help today. I need your help. The Lord has walked me through deep forgiveness of extremely hard, hard, hard things. I could have never done it apart from him and from his word. We will fall. We will mess up. We will do these things. But how fast are we turning? How fast are we recognizing it and completely and utterly repenting? Our lives change. If you've really, really really accepted Christ as Lord over your life, you're, you can't help but change. Your life changes. Turn to Hebrews chapter one. I want to break this down with you. This passage, we're going to break down verses one, two, and three. It's not in the book. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one, two, and three. We are going to break it down. This is the call to endurance. The call to endurance. I liken it as somebody who is into health. You've got sprinters. They sprint a lot of times in the Olympics. They are sprinters. They run fast. They run hard. And they run in seconds. And then you've got the endurance athletes. You've got the marathoners. You've got the pacers, right? Okay, keep that imagery in your mind while we talk about this. Number one, verse one, let's read it together. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside, okay, right there, apotitheme, apotitheme, I think I said that right, all those Greek words, apotitheme, let us lay aside, let us cast aside, let us throw, let us put away every hindrance and sin that can so easily and snare us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Now we're going to stop at verse one, and I want to unpack that with you, okay? Let us run the race with endurance. There's, there's a couple of things. One, we're told very specifically to literally lay aside every hindrance and sin, 
to lay it aside. But the second thing that a lot of people miss is we're called to run with endurance. It didn't say sprint to the finish line, accept Christ one and done. It said run with endurance. The Christian life is a, a life of pacing, setting that pace and endurance and discipline and diligence and setting your focus and setting your eyes. It's not about me. It's all about Christ. That is what the Christian life is. The Christian life is not a sprint. It is a pace with which we live our lives. It is a pace with which we allocate our time throughout our day. It is a pace. It is a pace. It is a pace. Do you get this? It is a pace to God's word. It's a pace to, 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 to sit before his word, to still distractions, to come into God's word and, and into God's presence and to spend time with him and not to let the thousands upon thousands of voices tell you whatever they want to tell you from this world. The Christian life is a life to be run with endurance like that marathoner. The marathoner doesn't sprint, the marathoner paces and they're going mile by mile by mile. Yes, it is important to get in God's word. Yes, it is important to get to church. Everyone says, my favorite. I just had someone say this to me last week. Well, just so you know, just so you remember, Ashley, that that when, when they're talking about the church, they're not talking about the physical church. They're talking about believers as a whole. Let me tell you something right now. If you think that watching your church online only, online only, okay? And if you feel any sting or conviction, it's not from me. If you think that that's enough for you, God calls us to commune with, to do life with, to live with a body of believers, to walk out life with, because why? We hold each other accountable. We hold each other accountable to this life of endurance. We hold each other accountable to this heavenly perspective. We hold each other accountable when we fail and when we fall. And we have real people who are there for us, not what this world says is necessary, but people that are there to say, I'm here to walk it out. So yes, yes, in Acts, it was talking about, yes, I get it. I know that. But I am telling you, it is important to get to the physical church. And if you're going to a church because you're more excited about the man that is preaching, somebody listen to me right now. If you're going to a church because you're more excited about who's standing on that stage than you are about going and coming into the presence of the king and worshiping him, you severely have it backwards. It's idolatry. And God says, I will have nobody else. There's nobody else above me. No thing, no person. And then in verse two, let's go to Hebrews 12 too. How then, how? Really simple here. It's just exactly like John MacArthur said. He, he didn't use the scripture, but he said, you can't have a heavenly perspective apart from heavenly realities in scripture. Well, right here in verse two is the how. By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source, some versions say author, the source and perfecter of our faith by keeping our eyes on Jesus. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, that place of complete and utter holiness and prominence and placement. Does he have this placement in your life? 
And in verse three, it's so simple. We are to consider him who endured such hostility. We're to consider his example. What does the word teach me about Christ? Not what does it teach me about me? Because when I learn about Christ, I know what I need to know about me. When I learn about Christ, I know where I fall short. When I learn about Christ, I know how unholy and unrighteous I am. When I learn about Christ, I know what a wretched sinner I am. And all you need to do is ask yourself, what do I need to learn about Christ? Take your eyes off. You take your eyes off people, put your eyes in your heart because it says, love me with the entirety, the completeness, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of it, all of it, all of it. And when you do that, it permeates every single, every area of your life, every single area. It literally saturates it. Number four, we're moving on because we're going to be done on time. Colossians 3, 12 through 17 is, okay, so now we know what to put off. What are we putting on? This is the Christian life. You have a whole entire podcast just about this passage and these verses right here. What positive God-honoring traits and practices are encouraged? Ladies, we are to be clothed in these characteristics. We are to put on, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Flip back. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. Therefore, as God, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. See, what, what is it that people are constantly looking for in this world? Well, what are they literally screaming out for in this world? For attention, for love, for compassion, for all of these things that you can only get. No love can satisfy like God's love. No love can nourish like God's love. No love can permeate like God's love. Nothing. That's why people are literally screaming out, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Put on those things. Put off the old, put on the new. And then the second call is to be bearing with one another. That's a, that's, it's easy to say, hard to do sometimes, bearing with one another. The third thing, oh boy, this is even easier to say and even harder to do, is forgiving of other people, just as Christ himself forgave us and gave himself up for us, forgiving of one another. And then, I'm breezing through all this, put on love. This garment, listen, gals, this garment, and I'm going to just unpack this for 30 seconds here with you. Put on love over all the other garments. So now you've got your nice little outfit on. You are clothed in compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness and self-control. Go read the fruits of the spirit in Galatians. You're clothed and all that. And then it's wintertime and you put on that big cozy jacket over it. And that jacket is love. You're putting that on over everything else. The garment that is to be placed over all others. And please, 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 if you don't hear anything else I say, please hear this. To put on love is not to stand in agreement with sin or things which go against a holy and a righteous God. It is not love to, to not call out or not share when you see sins. Doesn't mean you're running around pointing your finger. But what I'm telling you is the world says, you love everybody. God is love. Love, 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 love. 
True love is biblical love. True love is sharing what Christ did for us on that old rugged cross. Literally, true love is sharing about the Messiah, the only one, the only one, the way to heaven is narrow. I talked about it last week. That is true love. True love is not to say God loves you just as you are in all of your sin. Keep all those ragged, warm garments on and just come to the cross because he loves you anyway. And there's no repentance and no need to turn. That goes against the good news. Our God is so holy. Our God, Jesus Christ, is so righteous that he went to the cross. He crushed sin and death. And that is not so that we can call sin love because sin is not love. Sin is towards a holy and a righteous God. And if I lose you, I am okay with it. I was okay with it before I hit the start button. That means that we go into God's word, that we put off the old, put on the new, that we start to live as changed people so that when we are out in this broken, dire, hurting world full of people that just want to know what love is, we can share the only one, the only one who can meet that need, the Messiah, the anointed one, King of kings and Lord of lords, above whom there is no other name. We can share him effectively, not weakly. Ladies, it is time. It is time that you get serious about your walk with the Lord. It is time that you get serious about not calling sin love and recognizing that sin is, is, is an absolute blasphemy to God. And this is hard. This is hard teaching. I know that. I know that's not what y'all want to hear, but I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you and me what we need to hear. We have to. We have to stand with Jesus Christ and his word. Old Testament to New, Genesis to Revelation is the, the extreme, what is the word? I'm losing the word right now. The extreme um, basis upon which we live our lives, the word of God. And if it directly opposes the word of God, maybe it is, it, it is God's design for marriage. Maybe it's God's design for male, female. Maybe it's God's design for the home. Maybe it's the greed or malice or envy or whatever it is. If it goes against God's word, we do not stand in agreement with it. Okay? All right. Good. So number five, verse 17. Because I got to get you done on time. Number five, verse 17 of Colossians chapter three. How would you summarize it asks? Verse 17. Well, I'm going to help you do it right now. Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In everything. In everything. And I want to make something really, really clear here. Our world that says you've got to be a lady boss, climb the ladder, you're not good enough. If you're not out in corporate America, working, cooking dinner for your husband, being perfect Molly homemaker, great mom, your kids are on the honor roll, blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you something, that there is, there is such an, an incomprehensible, really, Thing that is done within the home between a mother and her children. If you're a mom that's raising your babies, you are literally doing holy work, holy work. Listen, clean the ears out. Make sure you're hearing me. Holy, holy work. No matter what, 
this world says, everything that we do. And if God has placed you in a location or a vocation, maybe you, I don't have children in my home, but, but I'm running a business with my husband, whatever it is, it literally says here in everything, we do it to the glory and to the honor and to the praise of Jesus Christ, everything. Because you'll be in places that you can't stand. I've been there. You'll be in places that you can't stand. And if you're immersing in God's word and you're putting off the old and you're putting on the new, he will provide you with a luscious, ripe opportunity to share his gospel, to share the good news, to share Jesus Christ. And guess what? To do that, you share in love. And it means you don't sacrifice God's word in the process. We can show the love of Christ without sacrificing God's word. Okay, great. We got that. Moving on, moving on, because I told you I was going to have you done on time. And I am. I'm going to do it. Okay. Whew. Go back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ, Colossians 3, verse 16, I actually want you to turn to it. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. I'm going to add some words there because I like words. Let the word, and I'm not adding to scripture, I'm adding definitions on words that are in the scripture. Let the word of Christ dwell, remain in, abide in you, dwell in you, deep down in you, roots, deep roots, not shallow roots. Let the word of, of Christ dwell in you richly, abundantly, richly, abundantly among you in all wisdom, teaching admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, so often overlooked, so often overlooked. I walked out on my porch. I do it every morning. I get to hear a rooster. I'm like, oh my gosh, my dreams have come true. Literally, I get to hear a rooster every morning. I wanted to be in the country. I'm in the country. Lord, thank you for every single thing. Thank you for the struggles that I've had to walk through. Thank you for my past. Thank you for my childhood. The hardest, most difficult season I've ever walked, ever walked through, ever walked through. Pain and abandonment and hurt. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I came to know you through those darkest, darkest days. Thank him for everything. Gratitude. And this is from Spurgeon's writings. I love A.W. Tozer and Spurgeon and all the authors, not above God's word, but boy, I'll tell you what, these guys were the old writers. There's some gems in there. Remember that Christ himself is the word of God. Christ himself is the word of God. And also remember that the scriptures are the word of the word, okay? I love how we put that. The scriptures are the word of the word. Stop discounting God's word. Stop discounting it. Scripture, as we spoke about last week, is not man-breathed. It is God-breathed. They direct us to Christ, and they are from Christ. They direct us to Christ, and they are from Christ. And in conclusion, not at all in the book. How do we? And I, I would love if you would write this down. Every single bullet point, because it is not in the book. How do we maintain in a world set against Christ, our Christian worldview? 
How do we maintain in a world set against Christ, our Christian worldview? First off, the worldview, the Christian worldview, and a worldview in general is defined as an articulation of basic beliefs embedded in a shared grand story that is rooted in faith commitment, okay? And it gives shape and direction to the whole of our lives. This is, this is our Christian worldview, is how we, we view the world and how we answer the deepest questions about what is happening in our world and how do we fix it and what is our worldview and uh, um, what is our Christian worldview. It is an articulation of basic beliefs embedded in a shared grand story, right, that is rooted in faith commitment. Worldviews, I want you to write this. Worldviews answer questions like... Worldviews, tonight we're talking about the Christian worldview. Worldviews answer questions like, where did we come from? Where did we come from? What's going wrong with the world? How do we fix it? And I really love this last one with the Christian worldview and putting off the old and putting on the new, how should we live our lives? How should we live our lives? Ladies, worldviews in general don't happen overnight. It could be somebody that does not have a Christian worldview. They don't happen overnight. The Christian world, the Christian worldview does not happen overnight. It takes time to shape. I'm speaking specifically to our Christian worldview, our belief in the inerrancy of scripture and the full and complete sufficiency of scripture. That's what I'm speaking to. The Christian worldview is most importantly the work of scripture and the Holy Spirit. Write it down. Please write it. The Christian worldview is most importantly the work of scripture and the Holy Spirit in our individual hearts. I am drilling it home from every angle, every way, every week, because there are people that say they're holding to a Christian worldview, but they're buying false doctrine because they're not going to God's word. As I just literally read to you, from Spurgeon, Christ himself is the word of God. And also remember that the scriptures are the word of the word. He didn't leave us ill-equipped. He didn't leave us ill-equipped to maintain our worldview and not to conform to the patterns of this world. To maintain a strong Christian worldview right here in 2023, where we're literally having to fight, having to fight, to bring bills to legislation, to prevent little kids from having sex changes. Where we're having to fight and celebrate things that go against God's created order and design for family. How do we maintain our Christian worldview in this world that says you're a hater if you don't stand in agreement with sin. We have weak pastors standing on stages that when you ask them about the entirety of God's word, they crumble, they buckle, they try to come up with all the fancy words because they don't want to share truth. 
How do we as ladies who love Christ maintain a strong Christian worldview without becoming conformed to the pattern of this world? Get ready. It's three points. It's fast. And I'm done. Write it down. Number one, be rooted in scripture. Be rooted in scripture. Your own study of scripture. Be rooted in your own study of going to God's word. And anybody you listen to, if you're going to listen to a podcast sister, you better know what they believe about the word of God. If you're going to listen to a pastor that everyone says is what, sister, you better know what the word of God says. Test and approve everything. I always tell you every week, test and approve anything I teach you here. You go to God's word. Anybody that you listen to, they must have their preaching and teaching rooted in scripture. Rooted in scripture. Rooted in scripture. Unafraid to share the entirety of the gospel. The gospel doesn't need our help. That's the first thing. The second thing is we have to be aware of culture. We're not to live with our heads in the sand. We're not to live like, oh yeah, it's just me and my own little bubble. And no, how are we to effectively disciple? How are we to effectively go out into this world if we're not immersing on and taking these truths in ourselves and, and we're aware of the culture? You can ask me at any given time. I don't put too much emphasis. Listen, I don't put too much emphasis on it but I certainly know what's going on in the world. I know what bills are coming about. I have certain trusted sources that I read. I know what battle we're up against in this world. I know that it's getting harder and harder by the second to live in this world as a Christian, bearing and calling on the name of Jesus Christ. I know that I'm aware of the culture in which I'm functioning in. And I'm fully aware that what I'm teaching you gals tonight is not the popular thing. We hold to our solid foundation on scripture while building a bridge that connects biblical truths to this contemporary world. How do you do that? You do that rooted in God's word. You do that spending time with him every day. You do that prayed up. You do that surrounded by people who, who are cheering for you quite literally to grow in sanctification. And then you go out in this world and I share hard things. And some of the people that love to spend the most time with me are people that call themselves agnostic. I have literally a couple of them and I'm working on them. Trust me when I tell you, I, the Lord will use you through your story. The reason I mentioned that about atheists and agnostics is I couldn't see Jesus Christ more out of myself than these people want to be around me. Why? Why? Because we study God's word. We know God's word. We share that truth. They want to know about the hope we have. And oftentimes it's your testimony and it's your story that God will use to be the vessel that opens that door to conversation. And it takes boldness. It takes boldness. In a world where pastors are crumbling and they're failing at leading their flock, it takes boldness to share what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And you have to have a willingness to have that door slammed in your face. Because if it happens, you're not surprised by it. You're ready for it and you move on. As Jesus said, I loved it when he told the disciples to shake the dust off and keep on going.
I hope you girls are listening because we are in a world right now that is literally crying out. We don't have time to be weak and ineffective in our walk. We don't have time to buy lies and false doctrine. We don't have time to listen to what tickles our ears. We don't have time. We need to open God's word. And the last third point, write it down. We need to be focused on our application of God's word to our life. To maintain this Christian worldview in a world that is literally, literally, absolutely hating the name of Jesus. In this world, we have to be focused on our application of God's word to our life. Please notice that I did not say we need to be legalistic. Legalism is regurgitating. Legalism is gross. We don't need legalism. But what we need is women who are going to God's word, the entirety of it, not watering it down, immersing ourselves in it, literally that process of sanctification daily, laying down sin. And the second we sin, we feel it, we know it, we repent of it, right? And going out in this world and sharing the truth of what Christ has done in your life. Every single one of you watching on Zoom or on Facebook, Jesus has done something in your life. Jesus has done something in your marriage. Jesus has done something in your home. Jesus has done something. And he may use you to tell and share that with somebody else. It's not about legalism. We have to learn, as Paul stated, to apply, to put on the truths that we learn from God's word. Every single week I come here and I'm ending. Every single week I come here and I sit down and I feel the complete and utter weight of not only sharing God's word, but my inability apart from him. My inability in every single way. But for the grace of God, there go I. But for his favor and his kindness and his truly incomprehensible and unconditional love. And I sit down every single week and I'm done after this. Just listen. I sit down every single week and I think I'm about to teach these girls things that are hard things and they're hard truths. And they're not being taught very much. And if somebody is teaching God's word in its entirety as it should be without feeling that they need to help it, those are the people that you want speak into your life. But my heart is burdened for the gals that are buying false doctrine and lies because they don't know God's word themselves. And I sit here and I think, I'm not going to go crazy, but I'm going to just, with everything in me, try to get these points across. What I am teaching you gals through God's word, it's not the popular thing. It's not the popular way. It's not what the world says is cool. But what God's word tells us, and I believe that it's the entirety of God's word, God's word tells us the way is narrow. And there is not multiple ways to heaven. There is but one way, and it is through the King of kings and Lord of lords. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I feel 
literally such an urgency in my life and in my heart to get these truths across to you girls so that for you get fervent and you get hungry for his word and you stop listening to all the voices in the social media driven world and you go to God's word you test and approve everything that is spoken into your life and you effectively minister to a lost and broken and hurting world because we know Jesus. We know who they're looking for. We know the author and perfecter of our faith, the only one that can give us the ability to love and have compassion and forgiveness and all these things. We know him. May we get serious enough about our relationship with him that we walk forward living our lives differently, not legally, legalistically, but differently, differently, and test and approve everything that is taught to you. And I don't care if that's on a Sunday morning, test and approve everything through God's word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you did here tonight. I thank you that when I fall so short, Lord, you are so holy and so righteous and so good. You meet me here, Lord. You know what these gals need. You know what they need. I don't, but you do. I pray, Lord, that right now in 2023, we have a boldness that we've never had. We have a fervor that we never have, have had. We have a hunger and, and, and an excitement to dig into your word, to know your truth, to be uncompromising, to put on love above all else and over all else, compassion and humility and kindness. But we put on love. But putting on love does not mean stand in agreement with what you call sin. That is not love, Lord. Let that sink down deep because some people need to hear that tonight you are righteous and you are holy and there is no other name I want these women if they're idolizing people and celebrities and pastors and and influencers or whatever it is you want to call it fill in the blank word that they lay that down tonight and they worship one one and that is you Jesus Christ king of kings and lord of lords I thank you Lord that you're sitting at the right hand of God Jesus, and you're interceding for us. That's a, an incredible thought to me. Let what you did here tonight grow in their lives throughout this week. And it's in Jesus, beautiful and precious and holy, holy name I pray. Amen. All right, girls. God bless you guys. I hope you have a great night. Next week, I'm going to be back for uh, chapter nine, session five, chapter nine. Um, session six, I'm getting tongue tied. I just talked so much. Session six, I'm actually going to cover chapters 11 and 12 because we're going to go through Philemon together. So I'm going to hit bullets from each one. So prepare yourselves for the last session of the week for about an hour and a half. God bless you guys and go get in God's word this week. Tune out the voices, shut all the things off and go and get in God's word. God bless y'all and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.